0: time to rejoin the conversation. And I think I'm gonna start.
1: Ask Ben. What with Um. Yeah, I'd say that most people aren't willing to to put in the time to be a master. I, I think I think it depends a lot on how you were raised, of course. Um, I, I I don't think that a lot of people, especially in where I was raised, are are brought up that way. Um, I don't, I don't remember a single person growing up telling me that that was the way to do it. Mm. Um, you know, gr- growing up in a, in a small town in the Midwest, going to high school, it was just do your homework, study for your tests, get to college, get your degree, and you'll be fine. And as we can see time and time again, with the many anecdotal tales of the college graduate in the United States. It's not that going to college is bad, you know, it's just you need to know what you're doing if you're going to do it. Right. Because you're going to be sinking a ton of money to it. But that's what we were told. I was just never told to take an alternative approach. Um, it was just meet this. And I'm sure this has got to be true for so many schools across the United States. It's just meet this standard, move on to the next, meet that standard, move on to the next. All
0: right. Well, I mean, path
1: you know, of least resistance, really. I
0: mean, our educational system was really set up because in the you know early industrial age, uh, the uh, the working population was highly illiterate and they couldn't read the signs for safety, <laughs> and you know they get their finger chopped off or something like that. And it's, So they really started a system to make sure that you you had a basic education. Sure. So that by the time you got out, you were able to be a good worker. Yeah. I mean, that was, that
2: was a part of it. it is a little different than that cuz they had schools prior to the industrial revolution. Yeah, true, I mean, true. really it was about getting you into a mindset to be a worker. Which yeah. is why you have a regimented 8-hour day with bells. With bells. Bell, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and those yeah. are all well, carryovers I, from factory I life. I never really
0: thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Up. Well, yeah, very much carryovers from factory life. And they, and not to cut you off gonna um, no. throw one thing in there. Uh, what other institution has a regimented uh, regimented day with Bells that go off for you to go and do your next yeah military, military and prison yeah yeah if I say it's all of, it's it's, it's you going to a factory or you going to you know some some workplace or you going to the military or you going to prison but it's getting you ready for this regiment yeah however you wind up living your life in this regiment yeah I'm sorry but go ahead Chris
2: I'm sorry no that, that was kind of that's kind of where I was going, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't, and, and I'm not one to start throwing blame on large general institutional things like, oh, society did this and that. <laughs> really, everybody had a choice at some point to sure. you know, nerd out on something for 10,000 hours in their life, and that is the problem. I mean, those kids who do nerd out on something for 10,000 hours are the ones we don't like. You know, yeah, you know true Bill Gates probably wasn't getting laid in high school. You know, I mean, he—I mean, just—he is now. He is, now, he is now. But I right. mean, even then, he didn't have the foresight to go. These ten thousand hours are going to make me the greatest computer programmer. You know, in history, that he wasn't thinking that. No. You know, he was just a, a dorky kid who was obsessed with something. <laughs> and I also just—I can never help but not wonder, like, how many people who do the ten thousand hour stuff flame out, burn out, are you know just so one dimensional that. They don't amount to anything because there, there's probably other computer programmers with 10,000 hours under their belt who, you know, can't hold a social conversation, can't find business to save their life, can't do all the other things that you need to do, which is kind of interesting. So uh, there's a certain, a certain well-roundedness that we've put a lot of stock into as as a country and as an educational system, which... Uh, you know, the merits of it could be good, bad, or indifferent. I honestly don't know. There's no, you know, real closed-door experiment to figure out which one is the best. But uh, there's a certain value to both of them and I can understand. Would I want to be so obsessed with one thing that that's all I do? Probably not. Even if it made me the best at it, still probably not. Uh, I mean, I, I like doing a lot of things. I think a lot of things are really fun. Yeah. So if I'm good at a lot of things, that's more valuable to me than being great at one single thing. But, you know, obviously it's different for other people. I have an example of this. The
1: one thing, right? right? I've got a friend of mine who started out with meteorology. He was really huge into weather. So he spent the majority of his time, I think, in high school, early, you know, late teens, maybe maybe up to 20 or so. Just He'd be on the NOAA, be on every resource, just like... And, and just going hard and, and like anytime I like could be over there hanging out I'd be like hey Ben check this out you know and he'd pull me over and just uh, look at these charts <laughs> of right, like right, 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 right. you know weather patterns and, and he'd be just explaining everything to me be like this is why this is cool and this is why I think this is going to happen and like he could look at the sky and be like this is what's going to happen and sure as shit it would happen that wow. kind of thing he was talented really good then he got obsessed with uh native plants uh, the the idea that uh, that Americans have allowed too much invasive plant species to be welcome into our ecosystems and how it's just a blight and uh, he's not necessarily wrong but you know it took over his life so he moved to Colorado and started a native plant landscaping business um, <laughs> but I think that all of that obsession and knowledge and, and the desire to... He wants a better world for people, and he wants a better ecosystem. and He thinks that this is, like, one of the answers to doing so. Um, I mean, just because the way the world is, obviously he'll never accomplish that. Um, he's doing what he can. You know, he contracts... Uh, he basically does native plant uh, landscaping projects for, you know, private properties. Hmm. Um... But the last time I went and visited him, we were out on a hike, and he was like, we were out on the trail, and he would see an invasive plant and just rip it out of the ground, you know? He'd just get angry.
0: Mm.
1: You know what I mean? Yes. Um,
0: like, like you said, yeah, eventually, it's 10,000-hour guy. You don't know if you'd even like this guy. Right, yeah. Well, and I love the
1: guy, and I know he means well, but it's just... It, sometimes it's too much. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I know what kind of person he is, but because... He went out there and he devoted all his time to this. He doesn't spend any time working on social relationships. He has very difficult times with relationships with women. Um, okay.
0: well, you know, get... he doesn't <laughs> you know, take. They don't give a shit about
2: them. <laughs> no. Well, so that's the problem. You were talking earlier about you know your your buddies and, and that kind of stuff, and I yeah, probably the same thing about if if you ever do group sports or a group activity of any kind, it have to be sports. You always have the same dynamic. I mean, there's the people who care a lot. Like, you cared a lot. I definitely cared a lot. Uh, then you have the people who are, they care, but they're just not really all that talented. And then you have the people who just don't care. Yeah. You know, and it's frustrating when they're good and they don't care. Yeah, then you're like, I think that's what we always frustrated. Hey. Right. And you just, over time, like, one of the big lessons that's hard to grapple with that you just takes a lot of time to really understand is... You can't make somebody care about the things you care about, regardless of whether they're talented or not at Yes, sir. Unless you're yeah. unless you're really good at motivating and manipulating people, which wouldn't see. even matter. I mean, because okay. of the lo- take for example your your weather buddy. Yeah, he could be freaking Tony Robbins of the weather world, and that's great, <laughs> and he can hype anybody up. But they're not going to match his enthusiasm and passion for it. No. Even Tony Robbins, who goes around just hyping people up. He's the hype master. He he's the can hype even, guy. People never get to Tony <laughs> Robbins' level. They just, you know, <laughs> yeah, they right. get they a little shade of Tony Robbins. Hype man, right. Right. He's, hype he's so myopic in what he does that you could probably argue, for his particular industry, he's the best at what he does. You know, that just doesn't seem interesting or appealing. Because uh, I think those people are so obsessed on one thing that if you're not that into it, yeah. you immediately have nothing to talk about with that person. And then there's another side of this where there's the uh, the
1: convenient obsession with something that actually turned out to be profitable. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> sure, there's Bill Gates, and he never got laid in high school, but, you know, at age 18, LeBron James was getting fucking... <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, he was in the gym all day. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was with the co-eds all night. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so. good for him. But, and
1: I'm sure there are various aspects of that across various industries of where uh, being the best and being, you know, the, the, the person willing to put in the time. I mean, I mean, just look at the topic we're talking about, the Olympian theory. There's a reason why people do the Olympics because they know that if they do put in the hard work and the effort and uh, get to that level, then they're going to get the recognition and the payoff. Yeah. Then there's people like my friend Andrew who went into native plants and he's (laughs) out there in Colorado struggling his ass off. Um, Part of this because he maybe should have devoted some of his time to how to actually run a business instead of just worrying about the plants all the time. If you do both, you can expand your operation and therefore have a more wide-reaching result. Instead, he does it all by himself.
0: Yeah, Yeah, maybe he could have been a meteorologist Mm with a native plant
2: business on the side. Yeah. So, you know, it was interesting. Assuming that you didn't take holidays off or anything like that do you know how long it really does take at ten thousand hours to get there if you did eight hours a day how long three and a half years yeah Yeah. that's about it i mean you could study the living shit out of weather or plants and then do that for three and a half years and then study business for three and a half years and probably just go kill it Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's seven years out of your life and then you were a rock star yeah. You know, because I bet there's probably money in native grass somehow. Whatever you can imagine, somebody's making a killing at it. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah it's so. just that
1: he's not business
2: minded. It's all. I mean, well, is I mean, it's a, is it's it a mindset or is it a skill that you learn? I mean, my, no, I think one of what the he's things is just he, he isn't. First of all, I know that he
1: certainly has an aversion to expanding operations and dealing with the business aspect of employing people, because he's just not a people guy. Um, I, I would think if he wanted to... Like, he's been out there for over four years now doing this, and he hasn't even gotten a single employee, you know? You would think at some point in time, if you wanted to grow it, or if the opportunity was there to do so, that he would start figuring out a way to
2: do it. Is he perfectly happy doing what he's doing, or is he a little miserable He's He's... Uh, I would say that he is
1: happy with his vocation, but he's also a little bit miserable at the fact that... Um, He's not saving the planet, essentially, you know? So he's got little small victories, but, I mean, I remember all the conversations I had with him about how he wanted to change the way the United States viewed our, our ecosystems and what he wanted to do to change it, but now he's the guy who's got to look at his bottom dollar and just pay the rent, you know? Hmm. So I think that's part of the problem with, I don't know, for a long time his rent was kind of floated through, like, child support and stuff like that. Um, he never really had a real job. For a very long period of time. This was his first Like, I'm doing a real job. So I'll give him credit. He is doing what he wants on his own. But he also I don't think is maybe, you know, look we're in our early to mid-30s. Maybe at some point in time he'll wake up and be like, alright, I need to start tackling this more from a financial standpoint than a philosophical standpoint and maybe I can do something
2: different. But then again, like how are you going to employ people that are going to be as passionate about that as you are, you know? Maybe he doesn't need to. Yeah, Maybe if his true goal isn't I want to build a ginormous natural grass business, yeah. maybe his, his passion really is I want to change the world. He doesn't really need employees. He needs disciples. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's kind of For a real. different argument. Like he, it sounds like he just needs to figure out really what he wants. He's got the natural grass you know, obsession. Yeah. Oh, what, uh, what's, the, what's the end game with that obsession? If it really is to save the world, then there's a, a strategy to do that. Yeah, he should become obsessed about it as equally as it is about natural grass. But if he would actually take his time to
1: meet people like you who want to take a different approach and a different look at things, then he would do so. But he doesn't. He just goes and
2: does that on his own all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of people like me who would bring him down. So it's, uh, it, it's one of those Fair weird enough. arguments about whether or not you want to just talk to people who think like you so you can stay incredibly myopically focused and not waver from it. Okay. Uh, or if you really want to let all these little outside voices creep in and get in there and Kinda, you run the risk of really fucking up what's a pretty cool thing in your life. That's a very good and maybe point. Maybe sometimes the only cool thing in your life. That's um, another good don't point. Don't okay.
1: So. That's actually really good advice, and that's something that I'll actually take to myself. Yeah, I, I don't know. I
2: was just am just
1: making shit up as a go. <laughs> I don't know, but it, <laughs> it makes sense, and I think that there's in the there's a certain balance to it. Yeah. Um, you you don't want to you don't want to go fully on just listening to everybody. You you have to you have to take what you can and. And you use it, but it's just you. T- you take the wrong word, and then all of a sudden you're <laughs> you fucked up the one good thing you just had. Yeah. And, yeah, But you also can't be too scared to move on. To really good word. Yeah, you know, you have sure to. It's, it's, yeah. I guess it's I guess it's judgment and balance. Yeah, I mean you have, you have
0: to you do have to know how to seek wise counsel. I mean, yeah. And wise counsel isn't going to always be people who agree with you. It may be people that. That ne- don't necessarily agree with you, but they have a perspective on how possibly you could do what you do better, maybe. Sure. Or you know, but you know. So uh, here's a here's a question. Uh, so nobody, you know, stuck with sports or drama or whatever. But what did you put your ten thousand hours toward?
1: I think I'm nearing, the. Yeah. That amount of time in bartending? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Which is exactly where I was going. Yeah, I mean, I... Okay, so my approach to this whole thing was way different than almost all the advice I was given whenever I took on this position. And I think to partly my favor and partly my detriment, I kind of went it alone. I wanted to only... I used a lot... I used all the tools I had in my arsenal, and I talked to every single guest individually, of course, when I had time... About what you know, they wanted to envision and try to flip that on its head and, and have a different experience with them to you know build a knowledge base that's based on pure intuition and um, you know through some observance. But I need to buckle down more on literature and I need to talk to more bartenders. But so far, I've had a great success in my approach. Um, still, even with yeah, nearly well, I, I'd say okay. Since I haven't been working what, six, or six days a week or anything. I, I'd probably put it, what, 6,000 hours maybe? Something like that? I mean, you're a lot closer to
0: your 10,000. Even
1: your even at 10,000, I'd still consider myself an amateur. And maybe maybe that's because of the... And, and to tell you the truth,
0: I think that most people who are actually pretty serious about their thing probably still would consider themselves an amateur at 10,000 hours. I, I mean, mean I, to tell you the truth, uh, I know... I, unmitigatedly, I put in thirty, forty thousand 40,000 hours into music. Yeah. And I consider myself an amateur all day. Sure. Now, I may be an educated amateur. I may be an amateur with a very specific viewpoint. I may be an amateur that's pretty good at what I do. But, you know, I still, on a lot of levels, see myself as an amateur, uh, because and, and to tell you the truth, it's purely because um, I recognized in the last couple of years, and particularly, that it's time to start bringing in those other voices, as Chris was saying, that you know that aren't speaking to other musicians or other rappers or other songwriters. those people who are, uh, you know, decent at business and and start because. Uh, yeah, best advice I ever got about the music business was um, there are more letters in the word business than there are in the word music mm-hmm. so you better, you better learn that because that will take the first a lot further yeah. and so, yeah, so I've just been trying to expand my knowledge based on people who've been successful at something doesn't even have to be at music, but if you're successful at something, there's something I can glean from our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what, about, what about you, Chris? What, where you put your 10,000
2: hours? You know, I probably, similar to you, I probably have five, 6,000 hours in a lot of things, mm-hmm. but I have well more than 10 hours about figuring myself out and how to handle situations it was always far less about to me anyway about what you do but just uh how you do things and your ability to do things and handle situations that come up and that way I feel like you can probably get by no matter what yeah um you know so if all I knew in the world was natural grass and that just didn't work out I think I'd probably be fairly suicidal and despondent and things you know i mean i would be like if you have the obsession and the aspiration like you were saying and it's just not clicking yeah eventually like that would make me so miserable i don't know how i would even handle it because i think so much of life is quality of life and i just would never be able to get to a quality of life that way he doesn't Um, and so yeah for me it was much more about Man, can you make yourself so that you can figure out how to handle any situation reasonably well, you know, and and get through it and do it good or better than a lot of other people can? Yeah, I think so, you know, but it wasn't without hard work. I mean, but that's that's the passion for me.
0: That's the fun part of it, trying new things and trying to figure them out. Actually, I think that might be the best place to leave this particular segment. Agreed. Uh, And with that We'll be right back Hey You having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers First www.americathemixtape.com A cipher on American politics Society and culture And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course www.cornerbodega.us Purveyors of urban culture Come on Let's get back to the party. Uh, And we are back. And uh, before we get out of here, uh, let's talk about today's sugar honey iced tea. And for those that don't know, uh, these are things that I, or a member of the group, have found that are really cool, a.k.a. this shit. And uh, today's sugar honey iced tea is preparation. Uh, The... uh, actual definition of preparation is the action or process of making ready or being made ready uh, for use or consideration. Uh, I sometimes suffer from procrastination, but every time I prepare for a task, I usually shine. Um, I try to remember that 10,000 hours uh, is a benchmark for greatness. And and I have definitely poured my hours into music and podcasting and merchandise design and, uh, and moreover to Chris's point being a good and thorough man. Um If you're trying to be great out there in podcast land, remember that the benchmark may be 10,000 hours. But maybe spreading that 10,000 hours over several things is what's going to get you there more than a laser focus. Because even Olympians usually only wind up getting to two, maybe three Olympics if they're lucky. Of course, you have the Michael Phelps and, you know, a couple of people who, you know, just have been to five or six Olympics, and that's that's kind of an over-the-top amazing thing. But if you're trying to be great, maybe it's time to act accordingly mm-hmm. and with that i want to end this podcast and to end all podcasts and that is with the toast that started it all for me and that is to good times with good people